Welcome to Major League Rugby Kickoff. Your hosts are Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Pete, great to hear you. Great to be with everyone this week as we take a look at Major League Rugby. It's halfway through the season, and what an exciting season we've had, my friend. Man, it has been. I don't know that there's a league in the world that has games as competitive as Major League Rugby. I mean, I don't think we've had a blowout yet. And every game, every team's been in it. Even the games that have ended up with a little bit of a disparity in score, teams have been in it for a while. But before we get into the rugby, Dan, let me tell you where I'm calling you from. I'm actually in Singapore. I'm in the Changi Airport, which is probably one of the most remarkable airports I've been in. It's like a 24-hour mall. Um, and, you know, doing one of these crazy trips, went straight from New Innings back to, um, to Singapore when um, after we did the game, and then I'll be heading back. I'll be home for like 16 hours before heading down to Austin, where I'll meet up with you for the uh, um, Austin-San Diego game this weekend. I know you're a bit of a road warrior, road warrior yourself. Have you been traveling this week, or have you been mainly at home? No, no. At, uh, fully grounded this week, but I tell you, with your travel schedule, Pete, if the Seckies need another interesting man, you could be up for that. You've got the accent. <laughs> you've got the schedule. You're a well-traveled man. Exciting well, maybe, times. Yeah, and maybe we should like have a little travel tip of the week. So let me let me tell you what my tip is for our podcast listeners. So on the way out here, um, American Airlines um, at three a.m. in the morning uh, um, deplaned. We deplaned from our LAX flight to Tokyo, um, and they said that the flight wasn't cancelled. It would be leaving at six thirty p.m which was a little bit too late. So whenever you have a flight that's really delayed, if it's a mechanical issue or that's cancelled, two things that you should think about if you're a traveller. Number one, the airline has to put you on another flight that gets you in when, where you need to go. So even if it's another airline. So for instance, I ended up taking a United flight, even though my initial one was on American. They won't offer that to you, but if you ask, they have to give it to you. And then the second thing is never stand in line. So whenever you've had your flight cancelled, don't stand in line because all the people in front of you are taking the seats on the next flight that you want to get. So that's my travel tip for this week. And maybe as we go through the rest of the season, Dan, we can share some of the tips that we have. Well, there's always some interesting experiences traveling for sure. So we can touch on that every week as we fly around for all these uh, Major League Rugby games this season. But Pete, let's focus on what happened last week. You and I will go over the game of the week first. We were in New Orleans for the first rematch of Major League Rugby as NOLA went two for two against Houston down there in New Orleans. What were your takes on that performance? Well, I think both games this weekend were pretty remarkable in the sense that the team that dominated possession and territory did not win. So that was true for um, Houston, when they went to NOLA, and that was true for Utah when they went to Seattle. But if I think, if I look at the NOLA team, and if I'm Justin Fitzpatrick, and I say, well, you know, what were the challenges that we had? Lots of unforced errors. I think that, you know, Dan, you and I both mentioned that for both teams, they really struggled with those conditions. And then they also really struggled with their lineouts. Um, NOLA won actually four lineouts um, that were thrown in by Houston. And that doesn't even count all the poor missed jumps, missed throws that Houston had when they were in great attacking positions. So I think in that game, Houston will look back and say, we just didn't you know, take the opportunities that we had because our execution just wasn't there. 
Now, the big one for me was Seattle and Utah. If you're a statistics man and you just look at the statistics from that game and I ask you to tell me who do you think won the game with 54% possession, 63% territory, a staggering 32 missed tackles against Seattle, 17 for Utah. Who do you think won that game just looking at those numbers? Oh, absolutely. And also eight line breaks by Utah and only three by Seattle. You've got to say Utah are going to win win this game when actually Seattle won it relatively easily. Like, you know, the game from about halftime on wasn't in doubt. And I actually think the big thing is about, you know, leveraging the opportunities that you have. I mean, they had eight line breaks for Utah. And of course, I was watching this game on a flight. So the feed wasn't great. But I only actually remember one line break. And that was by Paul Lasicki, where they actually passed after the line break and they scored a try. All the other line breaks they had, it was like they were looking for contact. I mean, poor Matt Turner, right, had to make a couple of open field tackles, giving up a lot of pounds. But actually, they ran into him. And I think that was the difference. It was really about taking advantage when you really um, when you had those line breaks and turning those into points. Well, I really love the sea wall. Whoever came up with that for the Seattle <laughs> Seawolves, that defense is called the sea wall, was outstanding. I watched that game as well. And uh, that string of phases that Utah put down on their try line, the crowd was great. Tony Ridnell as a PA announcer was great. Uh, Mark Stabina and Brian Hightower on the call were great. Uh, Seattle, they've just ticked all the boxes for me. I mean, a new team in a new market. They've followed from the Seattle Saracens, so there was some presence there. But Shane Skinner and his crew, they've just done such an amazing job up there. The support, the sold-out games, the noise, the location, everything just works for them. Yeah, I mean, I think Seattle is the really exciting example of what Major League Rugby can become, right? And I think that's really exciting. But I want to go back to those. It was 32 phases. I actually posted it. There's a clip, and I posted it on my Twitter feed. Um, PJ Rugby 9, get a little shout out there. And it was really, really phenomenal. And, you know, the number of tackles that they put in was great. And, you know, no one has actually solved the Seattle defense. They have a bit of a bend-don't-break. They're the only team that's not playing a really high-pressure defense. And so no one's able to match out wide. They, they drift, and they're drifting really well. And so you stretch them, you stretch them, you stretch them. But they, you know, they're really difficult to break and no one's been able to do that so far. Well, I love how you've embraced the socials as well, your uh, Insta face and your uh, <laughs> LinkedIn and everything. Yeah. Everyone out there, get on uh, Pete Steinberg's socials and, and really get onto him this week. So, so Dan, you know, coming up, we've, we've got the international break. And in the international break for, um, for those, or the international window, actually, um, for those that are new to rugby, is there's um, three times a year, where um, international rugby is played and players, because of Regulation 9 and World Rugby, have to be released. So um, the it'll be the second, third, and fourth weekends of June, and then there's a window in November, um, and then there's another window at the beginning of the year in February and March. And so we have um, an eagle gathering coming up next week as they prepare for their games um, in the June window. So, Dan, you know... who. Who's been selected from the MLR? Were there any surprise selections? Anyone that you thought maybe should have been selected into the uh, um, into that Eagle camp? Yeah, we'll definitely touch on that. The big one for me on this window is a lot of people talking about how will this affect the quality of Major League Rugby? 
And year one, I think it's going to be tough to swallow. Long term, I really like this window because it's going to give the chance for these sides to blood some younger players uh, during this three, four-week window. And with the college season finishing around now, I think you're going to see in maybe years three, four, five, a bunch of kids coming out of college, signing with Major League Rugby sides straight away and getting thrown into the fire. And I really like that because... It gives us a chance to get a look at the next generation of superstar a little bit earlier than possibly we would have during the regular season. And it also brings uh, uh, coaching staff and the depth of these sides to the front as well. No more just having a few frontline players and hoping to skate through the season. Teams are really going to have to work on this academy. I know a lot of them have them set up already. Uh, They're going to have to really focus on this academy and their players from that 19 to 23-year-old age bracket are really, really going to be important for all these sides. Uh, But as far as selections, how great is this? 18 out of the 30 squad come from Major League Rugby. Off the 12, not not too many surprises. You've got the typical suspects in, uh, you know, Blaine Scully, Hiltabrand, Savetta, Brucky, all those guys who we're used to seeing. Samu Manol was a great one for me to see Samu back. Uh, love him or hate him. I personally uh, love Samu, think he's great, but uh, he's he's been missing over the years in the Eagles jersey, so it's great to see him back in there. But as far as the Major League Rugby guys go, the only one that really kind of irked me, Pete, was uh, the fact that Nola not represented in the squad, zero players out of Nola. And I understand injury may have played a part with that, with uh, uh, J.P. Eloff and that bizarre uh chemical meningitis that he got down there from some treatment in New Orleans, which was uh, crazy. It was great to see him back on his feet, though, wasn't it, the game on the weekend? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that there are two teams that have a lot of players missing in, in the um, uh, June window, and that's Glendale and San Diego. So Glendale, I think, have six players, you know, really key players like Sean Davies and Will Maggie, who have been there stalwarts at nine and 10, like losing your top nine and 10 is going to be really tough. And then in San Diego, you know, players like um, Cam Dolan, who I think is really having, and he's one of the players of the season so far, I think, you know, those two, those two teams are going to really struggle. And what's also interesting is that, you know, Glendale are off um, this weekend. And um, I think San Diego um, are off the following weekend. And then they're into this three-match block. So, you know, these are two top teams that we expect to make the playoffs, but there's a three-match block where they're going to be missing the course. So even Glendale, who's, you know, unbeaten, 4-0, top with you know top of the table with 19 points, you know, they're going to need to win their game that they have coming up against Nola on June 3rd. That's going to be a really critical game for them because if they don't win that game, they might, really, you know, and, and they struggle without their core players. They've got a chance of losing the, uh, um, uh, you know, of not making the playoffs. And even more important for San Diego, they've got 11 points. Every team, you know, they're playing Austin this weekend. Every team has a chance. They have to win this game because without those players in those three games, they can't guarantee that they're going to win any other. So, you know, I agree with you. I think, that, um, you know, it's going to be an opportunity for depth for some of these players and, you um, I, I also think it's going to, you know, it's kind of bringing the playoffs and these critical games forward into the season. Yeah, one other point there, Pete, is uh, it's also the first fully professional Eagles outfit that, in, in, at least in my recent memory, is Nate Brakeley. He was the Daniel Day-Lewis of the side, the last of the Mohicans playing out there for the New York Athletic Club, not selected for this 30-player camp, uh, squad, sorry. 
So we do have our first look at a fully professional Eagle side under Gary Gold. And yeah, you look at the numbers, Glendale are going to lose six, San Diego lose seven. Uh, Seattle, potentially, depending on how the Canadian squad is uh, is picked, could potentially lose quite a few. It stands as one on the American side at the moment with Oli Khalifi getting recalled, but they also have five Canadians who have been involved with the Canada setup before. So it certainly adds some intrigue. And in my opinion, Pete, I think Houston are primed for a run here. I know they haven't been playing great rugby. They're only going to lose Paul Mullen, who only, you know, he, Played his first game on the weekend, so they've been without him for most of the season. Looking at their roster, I just think they're a couple of little fine-tuned away from really hitting their straps, and their draw is pretty favorable through that stretch. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Houston, in the stretch of the window, play um, Glendale, right? Then they get um, a weekend off, and then they play Utah. So I think those are two games that they're really going to target. And I think it's interesting, you know, you're absolutely right about the Canadians. We don't talk about it much. It's not really our area. Um, and I talked to Brian Ray from the uh, um, AmericasRugbyNews.com, which is a really amazing website that covers all the Americas rugby. And, you know, he, he thinks that there are some players in Seattle that have been in the Canadian pool that won't be selected. I mean, I think Phil Mack has to be selected, I think. Um, Ray Barkhill has to be selected. Those guys have been great and there'll be big losses. And George Barton, who, you know, got his first start last weekend and looked like a huge, huge player, um, comes from a family of Canadian internationals. I mean, you've got to give him a choice. And I think that that, you know, how that plays out, I think is going to be um, important. But, you know, it just makes the games that we see this weekend really important. Talk about that Seattle side. They've got a big test this week, Pete, as we shift gears back to Major League Rugby. They play that New Orleans side. Fortunately, though, back in the sanctuary, uh, behind the sea wall there in Seattle. What are your thoughts on this game, how this one's going to play out? Seattle looking to stay in touch with Glendale at the top of the ladder. New Orleans jumped into the top four and probably looking to go on a run here of their own. I think it's really, really tough to beat Seattle in Seattle. I think that, you know, every time I've watched them play, I've, you know, looked and I've said, you know, their, their attack, they don't have a great attacking structure. Nola, I mean, I think Nate Osborne for, you know, the struggles that they've had really creates a nice structure for, for attack and that's taken them into the top four. So Seattle don't have a great attack, but they've got a great scrum, they have a solid line out and they just have a phenomenal physical defense. And, you know, and, and when they push the pace, and the game breaks up, they do an amazing job of taking their opportunities. And that's what Phil Mack does really well. When, when you really want to see Seattle flow and attack, you see Phil Mack taking it quick, moving the ball quickly, running off the edge. And when they make their breaks, their, their speed on the outside, and, and Peter Tiberi had an amazing game. But, you know, you match them up with their other, you know, with the Matt Turners also on the outside. They've got the players that are able to come in and support. You know, I'm, I, I think it's going to be a tough ask um, for – for Houston, sorry, oh, sorry, tough ask for uh, um, for Nola to go in there and 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 be able to win. But you know, Nola, they're, they're an almost team down, right? They've, they've you see little moments where you're like, wow, this team plays some really really good stuff. They've moved around their ten and twelve, and of course, if JP Elof comes back, that adds another weapon. And I think that weapon is going to be, you know, that would be a real benefit to them and really add another playmaker onto the pitch. I'm pretty sure Tim Malpin will suit up this week, according to Nate Osborne. They just wanted one more week for him to rest up. That'll allow Howden to shift back to, pardon me, his preferred 
fly half position, which I think suits New Orleans a little more. He did a great job at 12, but uh, Rene Karma will slide back out onto the wing, you would think. Uh, and looking at the other game, that one's going to be a huge one. It's Warriors and Sabercats. It's down there in Houston. It's going to be very, very hot, very sticky down there. You think the Warriors, with their size and their strength, is pretty much down the middle of the field, are going to be able to handle that heat down in Houston. You know what? You know, they've got a big team. They're a physical team. But, you know, it, it, it's and, – and, and they're tough to handle. And I actually think that every time I've seen Utah, they've gotten better, right? And I think that when they've um, – and I think that they're going to continue to improve. Like, I know Alf Daniels, he's a great coach. Um, Utah's one of the teams that came in without, without the best preparation – Houston, you know, were together for a long time. Houston and Glendale really had the best prep. So their improvement is going to be a little less. And I think it's going to really come down to Houston's ability to be able to win their line out, to be able to win their scrum, and to be able to hold on to the ball. If Houston can just hold on to the ball, they can do some really exciting stuff. They really struggled to do that last week against Nola. So, you know, Houston were in those conditions, didn't do very well. I agree with you. I think um, the Utah bench is going to be really critical and, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how Utah mentally bounced back from a game that they probably felt like they should have won. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Utah Warriors. I think this international window could have been a little more generous to them. Tamalau and Lasique were givens, but how about Kurt Morath? The form he's displayed has got him a recall after a number of years on the sideline into Todai Kefu's Tongan side. That's going to hurt them the most. He's not as dynamic as he used to be. Uh, I think you even mentioned his defensive structure has changed a little bit. His, let's say, defensive enthusiasm uh, to get in there and make those hits uh, has changed a little bit. But it's far and away, he is the heart and soul and just that calming influence on that very young, athletic, dynamic side. Yeah, and I, you know, what I love about Kurt Morath is how flat he stands. So he stands as the first receiver, so flat, that he doesn't let the defense be able to drift. And his skills, his catch pass is probably one of the best in the league for the fly halves. And it just gets, it always gets them on the front foot. So that's why whenever Houston get the ball, they always seem like they're going forward. It's because of the skills of Kurt Morath to be able to stand flat and hit those runners on the outside. That one uh, should be an interesting battle. I think both those sides really need that win down there if they're going to make a run for the top four. Absolutely. I, you know, like like you said, I mean, I think that Utah are one of those teams that going into the window need to be in the top four because it's going to be a struggle for them with so many of those leaders being called up in some of the international um, into, into, the, into some of the international squads. OK, let's talk a little bit about our game of the week, Pete. It's a big one Friday night on CBS Sports. You're flying in from Singapore. I've got a little jump from Denver for this one. San Diego at Austin. This one is, in terms of Austin's season, it's pretty much do or die at this point. Right. I mean, it is do or die, but you look at the uh, table. If they win and they um, win with a bonus point, they'll be in the top four at the start of the weekend. So that's how close this is. But I agree with you. I think Austin have really, you know, they're probably the team that's been really like carried by some individuals and haven't really played their best as a team yet. And I think that that's really what they're going to look to do at home. They've really got to connect, be a little bit more connected, play with a little bit more structure because I don't think, you know, San Diego have 
such quality throughout their squad and they play such a fast wide game that um, Arthur need to hold on to the ball in the attack and they need to keep their shape on defense to have a chance in this game. Well, I, in this one, for me, Austin's weaknesses play right into the hands of San Diego's strength. If San Diego turn up and play their game, this potentially could be our first blowout of the season. I just have a, a feeling that Austin, where you said New Orleans have been progressively getting better, Utah progressively getting better. I just don't see that from Austin some weeks. Uh, well, we I mean, I think out in Utah a few weeks ago, I just. Just there's a couple of players there who they rely heavily on. If they're not firing, Austin just do not look good. Well, I mean, I think that in um, Ned Hodgson, he's shown at fullback for Austin that if you give him some space, he can really do some damage. And then um, Hanko Hamishai, right, is probably one of the most dynamic forwards in the M- MLR. He's actually the leading try scorer from flanker. He's got five tries. But you're right. If you can shut him down and you can shut Ned um, Hobson down, you're really looking at, you know, Andrew Saniolo in the centers, bashing forward, some people, you know, some locks like, you know, Ben Mitchell coming around the corner, but you're looking here and you're just saying, I'm not sure where the points come from in a game against San Diego. And, you know, you look at the San Diego lineup and you can just see game breakers all over the place. Well, good to have Roland Suniola back with his brother in the centres too. Just, again, another one of those guys who's played for a long time. He's seen a lot. He's very calm in those pressure situations. It'll be big to have those two back, but they need to get a big crowd out there. I know they're doing uh, some work with the uh, the military for Memorial Day, so hopefully they can get some people out to Round Rock, fill that stadium up, make some noise, and get their side home this weekend. Yeah, I think, you know, there are some th- some – Things that I think San Diego, you know, that, you know, where where would you attack them? And, um, you know, you'd probably look and say, right, for Austin, you'd say, we want to take them on in the scrum. They've shown some weakness, although they've improved in that area in the scrum. You could say, you know, their lineout is phenomenal. Cam Dolan, I think, has been dominant in the lineout. So that's not somewhere that, that you can um, take them on. But maybe you can say, hey, maybe through the centers, you know, um, with uh, Duplessis and, and Salabar, who are great attacking players. Maybe that's where we take it, and the Stiliano brothers might have an advantage there. But you're looking at that, and you're saying there's probably not much that I can really do in this, except in the scrum and maybe through the, you know, through the midfield defence. That's all I see. And so, you know, it's going to really have to take a big team effort for them to be able to do that. It would be interesting to see when Tony Lamborn comes in as well. He's listed on the Eagles announcement as a San Diego Legion player. Uh, I know there is some, we'll just call it paperwork for now, that they're trying to sort out for Tony to get him on the field. And once that's sorted out, that's another guy you throw into the mix. He gives them just that little bit of toughness in the forward pack. You've got that athleticism like you talked about with Dolan, who, wow, what what a comeback for Cam Dolan. Spent some time over playing in uh, in Scotland, wasn't really doing much over there. Comes back and uh, in Wales, sorry. It comes back and now... This is the Cam Dolan we all expect to see. Just hard running, wide, dynamic, getting balls away, strong in the line out. Uh, still annoying referees from what I've been told by the referees. But, uh, I don't think we'll ever change that with Cam. But Tony Lamborn into that side, that's a tough edge right there. That's a guy in a big game you can lean on. And uh, San Diego could be, uh, could be troublesome for the Glendale Raptors in the finals if they can get a fully fit Tony Lamborn. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, I think at the start of the season, if you looked at the squads, you would say Raptors, San Diego is probably the two teams that are favorites. But, you know, the Seawolves obviously are a team that no one wants to play. Um, Although I don't know how often you can make uh, 168 tackles in a game. I mean, that's going to affect your ability to play the following week, the recovery that you're going to have to put in. Um, You know, we think that the Utah Warriors are improving. You know, Nola Gold, you know, it's there there are very few gimmies here. And I think that, you know, I'll go back to your very first comment, Dan, about um, Austin. Austin have to show this weekend they're at home and they really need to demonstrate that they can live with the big boys and they've got a chance to do that this weekend. Well, that should uh, wrap us up for week one. Before we go, Pete, you've got to jump on a flight to get yourself back to the United States to do this game in two days. Give me your <laughs> tips for the week. We'll start with Friday night, San Diego at Austin. Who you got and by how much? Oh man, you know, I, I, I'm a coach, right? So I, uh, I think about performances, not outcomes, Dan, but if you're going to put me on the spot, um, I think that I would say San Diego, I'll give Austin a little bit of an edge being at home, but I think it's San Diego by 10. San Diego by 10. I'm going to agree with you. I think a little bit more though. I think they're going to go 14 plus. Okay. What about New Orleans out in Seattle? I mean, like I said, I don't think Seattle are are an easy team to play at home. They've got, um, you know, a a really loud crowd. Their defense is great. I think they're going to be able to hold Nola. Nola have had some problems themselves defensively. They got a little bit better. Um, I think this is going to be another close game. Seattle don't really blow people out. Um, I'm going to say this is Seattle by five. I'm with you on that one, brother. I don't know how they're going to win the recovery this week with that uh, tackle count from last weekend. Nola, this this one could be an upset. I'm still going to go Seattle, but I think they're going to do it pretty tight by about, uh, we'll go three points. Just the home field advantage there and that crowd behind them. Talk about sitting in the fence. I think it's going to be be Seattle then, but I think it could be Nola too. So I think if there's one thing we've learned here is that these all these like you know these games haven't been close, and I think the next game, the Warriors at the SaberCats is going to be another one. I mean, none of these games are that easy to call. I think. Um, so what do you think about the Warriors SaberCats? I'll let you go first on this one. Well, that was very generous of you, but uh, you know, with your last one, I don't think Las Vegas works that way. You've got to pick a team. So <laughs> we will go. I'm going to go Houston. I like the Warriors. I really do. They're, they're kind of becoming my, uh, you know, we're not allowed to take teams because we've got to be bipartisan through this, but they're, they're quietly kind of becoming my frat. Just, I just like, I like the Warriors. I like what they're doing. But I think Houston, I'm going to have to check my weather app to see what it's doing down there. But I just think Houston at home, losing last week to New Orleans, you can tell a lot from body language, Pete, and looking at those Houston players is, they realized they were down a player. They came back. They had a chance to win at the end. They didn't take that chance. It, it was almost as though that was their moment of reckoning for the season. So depending what Justin Fitzpatrick does with his side this week, I think Houston, like I said, with a couple of little tweaks, they're primed for a run. I think they start it this week at home against the Warriors. I will go Sabercats by, we'll go plus eight. Wow. So I think this is where you and I are going to disagree. I think the Warriors are on an upward trend. I think they're just going to get better. I think the Sabercats are struggling in the line out. 
I think when you've got Kurt Marath at 10, you're going to have to have a lot of lineouts. I think the Warriors will steal three or four, and they'll be able to punch through that. So I actually think this is going to be um, the Warriors by seven. So that's one that that's one that we're really going to disagree on. So we'll uh, um, we'll have to see where we are next week, Dan, on our next podcast. We will. I'm sure one of us will be hearing from the other late Saturday night when that game finishes up down in Houston. <laughs> that does wrap us up. You've got to run to the gate and get out of Singapore, and I've got to get the kids to bed. So that will wrap us up for MLR Weekly, the first podcast. We will look at getting it out before the weekend's game on a weekly basis to touch base and go over all things Major League 